My name's Nathan Irie. I'm the pastor of People's Baptist Church in Folkestone, Georgia, and I'd like to take a couple of minutes to invite you to our church. Uh, the service times and the directions to our church can be found on our church website at www.pbc, as in People's Baptist Church, that's pbcfolkestone.com, and love to have you join us at our services sometime. But I really want to take a couple of minutes and just speak to you about the most important decision that you're ever going to make. And that decision deals with whether or not you've ever been born again. And that term, being born again, may have a little bit of uh, confusion in your own mind associated with it. And that's, a, that's understandable because when Christ first used the term in dealing with a religious man in John chapter 3, he didn't quite understand understand what it meant. And so Christ explained to him, that it was a spiritual birth, it was a new birth. Uh, every man having come into this world has been born the first time, and there's something that's wrong with that birth. David said in Psalm chapter 51, he said, In sin did my mother conceive me. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now I understand where I live. I live right here in Folkestone, Georgia, where everybody has... Uh, undergone some kind of spiritual experience, some kind of religious experience. There's all kinds of folks that live here in Folkestone and in the surrounding areas, Hilliard, Callahan, and everybody claims that they're saved, but I really am not convinced of that just for the mere fact that when you begin to talk to folks about their salvation, I don't feel as though folks have ever been lost. And in order for a man to be born again in order for a man to be saved, the first thing that he has to understand, the first thing that he has to know is that he himself is a sinner. Uh, The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. Well, that's a pretty inclusive word. This entire world is really hung up on this idea of inclusiveness. And yet when we start talking about All men are sinners, black, white, purple, green, dark skin, light skin, all men. And by the way, that includes all ladies. It includes all all of your little children who you think to be angels. All men are sinners. He says all men. He said all we like sheep have gone astray. He said we've turned everyone to his own way. That's Isaiah chapter 53. And so that's a very inclusive way that's a very broad way if you will all men are sinners and yet a lot of folks would maintain they maintain in their own mind well I'm really not all that bad and one of the questions that pops up in my mind is when I get that statement well I I really don't feel like I'm all that bad Uh, the question that comes up in my mind is what are you comparing yourself to Well, see, if you're comparing yourself to the next guy that's sitting next to you or this person over there that you like to gossip about, of course you could find some measure of justification there. Of of course you might be able to say, well, I'm not that bad, and so therefore I really don't classify myself as a sinner. But at the end of the day, we're not asking, God is not asking if you classify yourself as a sinner And God's really not asking if anyone else classifies you as a sinner because God himself has already classified you as a sinner. 
in John chapter 3, in that same conversation that Jesus Christ had with Nicodemus, he quoted that verse that everybody in South Georgia knows, everybody in this area, South Georgia, North Florida, everybody knows the verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You've probably grown up in church. If you've grown up in church, you could probably quote that to me. But that's not where that passage stops. Jesus Christ went on in verse 17 to say, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, well, that's good news. Jesus Christ didn't come to put this world into condemnation, but he says, but that the world through him might be saved. So the purpose for Jesus Christ coming to earth as a man was so that the world could be saved. But there's more bad news after that. Verse 18, he says, he that believeth on him is not, is not condemned. So if you believe on Jesus Christ, you're not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. See, the condemnation has showed up long before Jesus Christ ever got here. And it's because you've not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, there's nothing that has to be done in order to uh, prove that you're a sinner. The fact that you're a sinner can be proved by one simple thing. And that is the fact that when you uh, get old and you get to the end of your life, you are going to die. And that's not a very comforting thought. That's not something that folks like to think about. And that's very evident. The fact that people don't like to think about death is very evident because now it almost seems that funerals are non-existent. The thing that we have now is home-going celebrations. But the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that it's a wise thing for a man to go down to the house of mourning. That's a funeral home. He said, it's a wise thing for a man to go down to the house of mourning. He said, because that's the end of all men. I don't care how much money you've got. I don't care uh, what kind of background you're from. I don't care what religion you are. At some point, when you get old or maybe in some tragic manner, you're, go you're going to die. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that the reason that men die is because they're a sinner. Now you think about that for just a second if you would. I want you to go out to the graveyard and just reflect on that for a second. Next time you go out there and attend a funeral, you know what that means. You, you go out there and you look across that graveyard and you look at all those tombstones and what that means is that it doesn't matter. Uh, we have a, we have a, a graveyard down the road from where I live. It's an old Methodist church and Civil War era. And it's an ironic thing that they have the white folks buried in one spot and then they have all the black folks buried in another spot. And the wildest thing to me is that it doesn't matter whether you're white or black, you're a sinner just the same. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But see, that's the proof of that is that you're going to die. And so you've got to understand that you're a sinner. You say, well, I just really think that I'm a good guy. Well, in terms of comparing yourselves among yourselves, which Paul the Apostle said is not wise, but if you're going to compare yourselves among yourselves, 
I can admit to you that there are some folks that seem better than others. Some of you under the sound of my voice right now, you've learned to pay your bills. You had a good upbringing. Maybe your mom and dad taught you how to do things that were right. Get up in the morning and go down to the workplace and earn a living. Provide for your wife, provide for your children, provide for the rest of your family, whoever you might be. And then there are some folks that are just sorry bums. There are some folks that just don't have any discipline. But, you know, those of you that are, uh, you, you've been trained well, maybe you've got a military background, or maybe you've had a missionary that came by, some kind of preacher that came by and have tried to instill into you a good measure of discipline. The Bible says, as far as your spiritual life is concerned, it says you're dead in sins and, and you're dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible says in, in Isaiah chapter 64, it says your righteousness is as filthy rags. He said in 1 John chapter 1, he said, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, as good as you might think you are, God doesn't think you're a good person. And that's really what we're interested in. We're interested in what God thinks. Uh, somebody might come to you and praise you for some great thing that you did. But as far as you being justified in the sight of God, Job asked. He said, how shall a man be justified with God? Well, as far as God's concerned, you're not justified with him now if you've never trusted Christ. And so you've got to get that issue dealt with. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You say, yeah, but I haven't committed adultery and I've never stolen anything and I've never done this and I've never done that. But see, the Bible says in James chapter 2 that if you offend in one point, in one point, you've offended all. You say, well, I, that, that just seems a little far-fetched. Well, think about it this way. Let's say you don't commit adultery and you don't, and you don't steal, but you lie or you covet well, see, the issue is not that you've gotten two out of ten. I, those are things that are found in the Ten Commandments. The issue is not that you got two out of ten and you failed in the other two aspects. The issue is that you've not, you've offended the person that's connected to those commandments. And see, you're not dealing with somebody that's like you or I. You're dealing with somebody that is perfect, that's entirely holy. There is no sin anywhere in him. And so if you offend in one point, you've broken the whole thing. Uh, when Moses came down off of the mount, having received the Ten Commandments, God's finger wrote on those two tables of stone his commandments for his people, the children of Israel. And when he came down there at the bottom of the mount, he found the children of Israel dancing around a golden calf, idolatry. Well, that's right up there at the beginning of the at the top of the list as far as the Ten Commandments are concerned. And you know, they broke that one commandment. And you know what Moses did in his anger when he got down there at the bottom of the mountain? He took those two tables of, of stone and he threw them down and the whole thing busted into a million pieces. Well, boy, that's a picture of you as a sinner. You offend in one point. You've busted the whole thing into a million pieces well, I just don't feel like I'm all that bad. Well, God does. It's not personal. It's not between you or a preacher. It's not between you or a church. It's between you and your maker.
God said, this is my standard, and you don't cut it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can point your finger at somebody else and say, well, I don't come as short as they do, but it doesn't make any difference because you still come short. Well, see, you've got to know that you're a sinner. You've got to know that you're a sinner. See, the Lord knows your heart. I was dealing with a young lady one time. I was a chaplain at a prison, and I was coming out of the entry building there, and uh, as I was coming out, she knew that I was the chaplain, and she let a cuss word slip out of her mouth. And she was a very polite young lady normally, and she saw me coming, and she covered her mouth and said, Oh, I'm sorry, chaplain. She said, But God knows my heart. God knows my heart. And I said, I know, and that's exactly why you should be afraid. Yes, sir. See, the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 3, it says their mouths are filled with bitterness and cursing. Jesus Christ told a group of folks while he was here on this earth before he was crucified at Calvary, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So you want to wander around and let all this filthiness flow out of your mouth. You want to drop all these curse words and these words that are associated with vile actions and vile imaginations. And then you let that stuff slip out of your mouth. And when you get near a preacher, you get near a church member, some of you are probably so bold that you won't, even, you won't even cover your mouth. You won't even change your mouth when you get near a Christian, a God-fearing uh, person. And yet you want to stand around and say, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. I know he knows your heart. And that's why you should be trembling in your boots. That's why you should be scared out of your mind. God does know your heart. That old Pharisee was standing next to a publican. Uh, Pharisees in the Bible were very religious people, and publicans were the lowest of the low. And that Pharisee went up to the temple. He goes down to the temple to pray, and the Bible said that he stood around and he said, cried out with a loud voice, Lord, I thank you that I give tithes of all that I possess, and I do this and I do that, and I thank you that I'm not like this publican. And yet that publican stood over a great ways off, and he, the Bible said that he smote his breast, and he hung his head, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, that man went down to his house justified. That fellow that hung his head, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That fellow went down to his house justified rather than this Pharisee. You know why some of you folks can't be saved? It's not because you have too much sin to deal with. It's because you're not enough of a sinner. You really don't think you're that bad. You really don't see that you have a significant problem. And the problems that you think you have, you think you can bail yourself out of. And I'm telling you, you're in over your head. You can't get out in your own power. You can't get out by your own doing. Yes, sir. The Bible says in the Old Testament, I believe it's the book of Leviticus, it says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. You know how you're going to pay for your sins? You've got to die. That's why there is no man that's ever escaped death except for one. Jesus Christ. Now listen, I want you to think about something. The first thing that you've got to do is you've got, or the first thing that you have to know in order to be saved is that you're a sinner. And the other thing that you've got to know is that Christ is the all-sufficient Savior. That same verse that I quoted to you at the beginning of this little clip, 
it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him. That's a specific person. The Lord hath laid on him. You say, Who is that? That's the Lamb of God. That's Jesus Christ. John saw him coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Bible says here in Isaiah 53, it says, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, see, you might think that you're a good guy. But see, if you know you're a sinner, there's good news for you because God took your transgressions, God took your iniquity, and put them on the shoulders of his own son when he died at Calvary. And the price has been paid. See, Jesus Christ is the all-sufficient Savior. Listen, listen. You've grown up in maybe South Georgia or North Florida, and maybe, maybe you're familiar with the Scripture. Maybe you're familiar with the Bible. You understand that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. Maybe you've heard that once or twice before. But you've got to get beyond the point where you see that he died for the sins of the whole world. You've got to see that he died for your sins. It was your transgressions. It was your iniquities. Those things that nobody else knows about. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Those things that you did in the secrecy of your own bedroom and possibly even, even just in the secrecy of your own heart, those are the things that put Christ at Calvary. Those are the things for which he died. Those are the things for which he suffered for. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now think about this. The reason that men die is because they're sinners. That's Romans chapter 5, verse 12. The reason that men die is because they're sinners. Well, listen, if Jesus Christ is not a sinner, which he wasn't, Jesus Christ was not a sinner. I don't care what you say. Jesus Christ was not a sinner. If Jesus Christ was not a sinner and he died anyway, well, man, there's something there. That doesn't make sense because the only people that die are sinners. But Jesus wasn't a sinner. So then the question comes up or should come up in your mind, then why did he die? And the answer to that is because he was dying for sins. He was dying for somebody's sins that weren't his. See, he was paying a debt that he didn't know. He was paying a price for which... He did nothing to rack up the bill, but you did. You've transgressed against God. You don't measure up. And so Jesus Christ stepped into your place and said, I'll tell you what, I'll pay it off. I'll pay for it. And so what you've got to understand, you've got to understand that you're a sinner, but you've also got to believe, you've got to understand that Christ is the all-sufficient Savior. He's the all-sufficient Savior. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, again, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps, who did no sin. See, Christ didn't sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, 
but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins. It was our sins, not his. He didn't have any. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed. See, Christ died for your sins. Christ died for your sins. Christ is the all-sufficient Savior. Listen, Jesus Christ did something for you that your priest can't do, that your pastor can't do, that your denomination can't do. Listen, I am a Baptist, but I am not saved by the Baptist church. I'm not saved by my system of Baptist beliefs. I'm saved because I'm a sinner, and I know I'm a sinner, and I quit trusting my own righteousness to justify me in the sight of God, and I trust what Jesus Christ did for me at Calvary. He died, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and that's what I'm betting my soul on. When I stand before God at judgment, I am not counting on what I've done. I'm not counting on my good works. I don't have any to speak of to justify me in the sight of God. You say, then what are you counting on? I'm betting my soul on what Jesus did for me at Calvary. What about you? What are you counting on? Well, I think I'll make it to heaven by my good works. You're going to be sadly disappointed. And a lot of you folks sitting out there listening to this, you know, you've, you know what I'm telling you, and you just have never done anything about it, have you? Have you? You think that every time a preacher or every time a Christian talks to you about your soul, talks to you about salvation, the easiest way you're going to deal with it is just by pushing it off till tomorrow. And what you don't know, what you don't realize, is that that's just as good as pointing your finger in God's face and saying, I don't believe you. You're a liar. You say, no, no, it's not, it's, not that, it's not that severe. Well, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 that he that believeth not God hath made him a liar. You refuse to, to believe what God says in his book. It really is as bad as you looking at God and saying, you're a liar. That's how God takes it. How about it? You say, well, then what do I have to do? What, what do I have to do in order to be saved? Listen, if you know you're a sinner, you know that Jesus Christ is the all-sufficient Savior. The only thing that you have to do is accept Him, trust Him, call on Him. The Bible says in John chapter 1, as many as received Him, received Jesus Christ, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, you're in there. It's to everyone that believeth. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called on him? Have you trusted him? He said in Romans chapter 10 again, he said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe with thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be 
saved. You say, well, I'm just trusting that God is going to have mercy. I'm just trusting that God's going to be merciful to me. Uh, listen, God has been merciful. God has been merciful in sending His own Son to die for your sins. And listen, if you reject God's mercy in the person of Jesus Christ, when you stand before God at judgment, there will be no mercy to you. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, not in your church, not in what your priest says, it's not in what your bishop says, it's in Jesus Christ alone. He says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. It's by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You say, well, brother, I have trusted Christ and I believe that Christ died for my sins and He's the one that I'm trusting to justify me in the sight of God. Well, the Bible says that these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13, all that believe are justified without the works of the law. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, he says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're not saved today, would you trust him? Would you trust him? Would you bow your heart, bow your knee right there wherever you are? I don't know where you're at listening to this. And if you've made it this, this far in this little clip, I'm sure God's dealing with your heart. Would you bow your knee right where you're at and just admit to the Lord, admit to God in heaven, God, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I know I'm lost. I know I'm undone. I know I'm on my way to hell. And I know that Jesus died for my sins. Would you save me? And ask him and believe him. When you pray that prayer, believe that he'll save you. And listen, if you'll believe him, he'll save you. If you do that, get in touch with the church. Call us. Come by. We'd love to try and help you become the Christian that God wants you to be. God bless you today. Thank you for listening.